welcome to the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast, the podcast that follows three integral recovery practitioners on the journey of waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up. Join us and our trailblazing guests as we apply the principles of integral recovery, daily practice, and the aqua map to transcend limitations, accelerate growth, and heal ourselves and hopefully the world. And now here are John Dupuy, Dr. Bob Weathers, and I'm Doug Prater with the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast, episode number five, Waking Up. Well, good morning, good day, good night, good evening. Sayonara, so long, see you later. That's just a joke, and I've been doing it every time, and uh, it's no longer funny. But I found, this is, this is the thing about humor. I mean, this is maybe related to recovery, because there has to be a lot of humor involved, too, yes. is yes. that you, you say a joke a bunch, and every, it's funny at first, and then it gets really old, and everybody's sick of it. But after a while, everybody being so sick of it becomes funny. So you can just go through these phases. So anyway, so it'll be annoying and then it may be down the road, it'll get funny again. Okay, but here we are. This is the, uh, I think this is episode five of uh, the, the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast. And uh, I'm John Dupuy. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Bob Weathers. And Hi, this everybody. is Doug Prater. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're the three musketeers. And I know Absolutely. we're all men and we're going to bring women into this thing. So, but this is just how it rolled out when we threw the, the cosmic dice. And it's a conversation about addiction, about recovery, about the practice of recovery, the work of recovery. I think the quote last time we said that recovery is not an idea, though it is an idea, but the actual process is a practice, which yes. we will elucidate and talk about as these things go on. So do you have a quote for us, um, Doug? Yeah. Today here in episode number five, we were going to start talking about waking up as uh, part of our exploration of waking up, growing up, cleaning up and showing up. And I found a quote here on the social media forum Reddit. There are a couple of recovery communities, and this can be um, a really good place to go uh, get support if you need it in your recovery. They post a daily Buddha quote, which I have been checking out here and wanted to share today's with you. It is from Thich Nhat Hanh, who tells us that Suffering is not enough. Life is both dreadful and wonderful. How can I smile when I am filled with so much sorrow? It is natural. You need to smile to your sorrow because you are more than your sorrow. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. And also, we're setting this up where you can go and download uh, meditation tracks. I awake meditation tracks as part of being a person here. I think we're going to have a couple of chapters of the book, uh, my book, Integral Recovery. So there's some goodies that you can get. And, and not just goodies, but the, the meditation tracks are really good to get started on. Uh, if you're not a meditator or if you do meditate, it's a real, you know, it's a great tool, even if you're an advanced meditator. So you might want to start experimenting with that. And, you know, you can, you can download the free thing. Then you go to the website and there's got a, it's really content rich about the practice and meditation. But anyway, we, let's not wait till we start talking everybody, about practice uh... for everybody to start practicing. Get rolling today and you'll be happier faster. Yeah, in the process of setting that up now, and by the time this episode airs, it'll be ready. There's going to be a uh, integral recovery starter kit there on the website that had the things John mentioned and more. So uh, everybody, go check it out, integralrecoveryinstitute.com, and uh, get yourself signed up to get the free starter kit and get all our episodes, and it's going to be a real good deal. Awesome. Thank you. So we started out uh, the last show. We have the Integral Recovery uh, Podcast, which is the name of the podcast. Then the tagline, which you can't fit into the picture, but anyway, I'll just let you know that. And it's clean up, wake up, grow up, and show up. And the last show, if you haven't listened, go, go download it or watch it on YouTube, our YouTube channel. 
so we talked about cleaning up, you know, cleaning yeah. up the interiors, cleaning up the body because both are really polluted and really hurt by the whole toxic evolutionary progress of the disease of addiction. And now we want to talk about waking up and what in the heck do we mean by waking up? And that's just uh, an extraordinary topic. And uh, gentlemen, I, I, I'll dive in. I, I loved your opening quote, Doug, by Thich Nhat Hanh. And I uh, was thinking about it after you read it, uh, this idea of, of what was the last line in it? Do you mind repeating just the last line about sorrow and that we're not, we're bigger than that? Sure. It says, how can I smile when I am filled with so much sorrow? It is natural. You need to smile to your sorrow because you are more than your sorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Uh, that whole poem, that whole teaching. Uh, John, as you were talking about I Awake tracks and talking about meditation, I was thinking that's one of the gifts of meditation, isn't it? Is When you read that, Doug, I was thinking, what is it that's greater than my sorrow? Well, that's revealed in meditation because um, in mindfulness practice, we can actually look at our sorrow and whoever in me is looking at my sorrow is not identified with my sorrow which is to suggest, and the experience begins to kind of roll out in terms of waking up to, I'm bigger than any content of my consciousness. It can be yeah. sorrow. It can actually be joy. There's something that's behind all of that that can observe all of that. And it's the observer that is, is greater than that. If you, know, if you come from the Jewish or Christian traditions, there are plenty of mystics that see that as uh, kind of the God beyond God. It's the God that can look at the objects and that we're identified with God in that. And you know, in Buddhism, it would be your Buddha nature, and every tradition has some language for this, but it's not a theory. I, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh, obviously, is a practitioner. He's not a theorist. He's Absolutely. a wonderfully enlightened soul who's taught me as much about meditation as anybody, and you don't have to believe this. I was thinking about this the other day. If somebody were to ask me if I believe in God, what would I say? It's a dicey thing for me, owing to... Uh, kind of my own journey and so on. But, I, but I, I, I feel similarly to Carl Jung when he says, I don't believe in God, I know God. Mm -hmm. so I don't believe in meditation, I know meditation. Yeah. And that that's accessible to all of us, that all of us have that as our birthright. In our last podcast, we talked about waking up to your original face before you were born. It's in all of us to wake up to what Thich Nhat Hanh was talking about. And it's, it's, it's accessible as my very next meditation. And then the wonderful thing, isn't it, is that if I wake up to that, that I can actually begin to habituate to that, where that becomes more and more my baseline. I'll leave it at that. I just, I love that poem, and I, I love where it points towards the practice that we're discussing today. Yeah. Yeah, and, and well, let me tell a little about my story, is I was how I, you know, I came to this whole integral recovery thing. I was here in southern Utah, and we moved out here because we'd been in grad school in the Bay Area. And uh, I was just getting overwhelmed by all the density of population. I visited a friend in Moab and just fell in love with the red rock country wilderness of, of southern Utah and the mountains and all of it, forests, lakes. I was out working with my students trying to um, come up with a really good model for treatment. I knew AA was good, but I also knew AA didn't tell you to take vitamins, didn't tell you to exercise. Although step 11, it says, uh, sought through prayer and meditation, increase our conscious contact, contact with God, seeking only his will and the power to carry it out. I didn't see anybody really praying or meditating at that level. Nobody was really doing contemplative inner work. But it's right there, you know, in the, in the very beginning. And I love that. I've been a God-haunted mystic since I was a kid, you know, which means I have these experiences. They fade and ah, I'm lost again, stumble on for years. Anyway, 
So I was looking to try to help myself and, and my students meditate better because we knew it was important, but we just didn't know how to do it very well. So we sit there for 10 minutes. I don't know how well we were meditating. So I found out about this technology by Neural Beats. Ken Wilbur was discussing it and Bill Harris of Holosync fame. I said, well, this might be a really great tool to help my students, you know, because we need some help if this is going to be a real part of it. So I finally forked out the cash and, and, and bought the first level of Holosync. And then I was buying Insight Meditation was what I was using too. And then like in the first week, after three or four days, I just had this boing, big, huge spiritual non-dual opening and it's got it, you know, and, and I've gotten it before, but it was really powerful. And basically, you know, the little ego, John, is this little speck of consciousness floating in this infinite, vast ocean of consciousness who, who is part of it, but at the same time is identified as a little discrete being. I mean, all the koans became very clear. You know, these are these kind of tricky questions that kind of take you beyond your mind to kind of wake up to these, these, uh, these realities. I was going, well, okay, I've been meditating on this stuff for like three days. I'm enlightened. That's insane. Well, not so much. I mean, it was a huge, uh, very powerful experience. And it was like, oh, what I am is this, this infinite ocean of love and light. I think that's what the, the Quaker called God. And that's what I emerged from. And that's what everything emerges from moment to moment, even though, you know, you look at the, the outward story, you know, and you're, you're on your iPhone looking at the news of the day. And, oh, my God. There's still this ground of being, call it Godhead, spirit, Buddha nature, Allah. Spirit through moves through all things, it is all things, all of that. And touching into that just blows the whole story open. And the story's like this. The story is like, I'm this finite thing, and I'm born into this world, and I go through this bloody birth and grow up and love people or hate people, and then my body deteriorates, and I go, poof, and then I'm no more. Like, wow, that's called existentialism, kids. <laughs> and uh, But when you have this kind of deeper thing, it's like you realize that, wow, what I really am at the most real and the deepest level was never born ain't going to die. Time is a dimension that comes out of it. It doesn't exist in time. Time is just a thing that it creates, this deeper self. So, whoa. And not only that, but it's really cool. And it's really loving. And it's really joy-inducing. And it's awe-inspiring. It's just like, oh, my God. And so you have the, you know, this, these ecstatic moments of, at the deepest, deepest, deepest level, I am that. And in some in- unbelievable, miraculous way, it's, this is hyper real. This is more real than my thoughts and my walk around life. This is so, so powerful. And I am that. So how do I go back and go back to my little messed up ego self who was suffering at my, in my case at the time, life-threatening depression, you know, sometimes they take me out for months. And so I had that first week and I lost my notebook where I was writing all this now. Apparently I remember some of it, right? But anyway, and then, then after that, I started working through just months, about nine months of just intense releasing work of trauma and, and pain that had kept me depressed. A lot of bad things had happened and it would come, I'd be meditating and it would start percolating somatically in my body and intensify. But because I had this kind of expanded context from the original to get me ready for to do the, to do the hard stuff, I could observe it. As you were saying, the observers, the witness self was there so I could let it do its thing. And then it seemed to be, we were talking about last time, the, the alchemist, you know, that dark, unconscious lead or you know seem to be transmuting itself into gold you know and into energy for for creativity and life and to get my life back and my joy back and uh so that was a a process and so that's a kind of a dramatic version of it and sometimes a lot of people have these dramatic peak experience but not always sometimes it's more gradual and more gentle uh, a waking up and basically so we're saying waking up 
who and what you really are in the great context of reality and what that means, okay? So we're talking about a, a pretty powerful, uh, Abraham Maslow called them peak experiences, okay? It was like a secular thing for religious or spiritual experience. And he said, and, and I'll just sum this up. And I always loved Maslow. He's a big hero of mine. But he said, you know, most of Western psychology's writing in the 50s has been mapped on really sick people, you know, neurosis and psychosis and all, you know, all these, you know, diseases and dysfunctions. So let's study really healthy people and see if there's anything we can learn from that. It's like, <laughs> wow, that's a great idea. And so he said, one of the things he found is that in the cases, of all these exemplars, you know, people that we look up to as role models of what it's possibly, you know, it means to be a human being, had these experiences once or twice or maybe more often, these peak experiences where you kind of see into the, the, the deeper nature of reality and it is all really good. And then you have to come back and, and function in the relative world, which is not all really good. A lot of it is. And there was a rabbi, one of my favorite rabbis, uh, Abraham something. Anyway, he said that there's more good than evil in the world, but just barely. You know, so we got to stay on our toes and make sure that that balance doesn't get out, that we keep working toward the good. So that's kind of what I'm talking about as waking up. And this is not some kind of dogmatic thing. You know, this, I'm, you know you're, God bless you. You know, if you want to go to church and you have a church you go to, I think the communities and churches can be super supportive or they can be a bummer, depending what church you're in or, or your temple or, you, you know, your sangha, however, however that, that unfolds for you, or you don't have to do any of that. But what you have to do if you're going to wake up is you have to have a practice, a contemplative practice that takes you inside. And my work over the last 11 years has been developing this technology that takes us into these very deep meditational states right off the bat. And of course, that's not enough. You also have to know what to do when you get there, you know, and how to use this stuff as a practice, a recovery practice, dealing with your depression, or just finally just hanging out as a spiritual place to rest in, in, the, in the absolute, which we all are absolutely. So. Uh, I hope that made some sense and I'll, I'll turn it over to my brethren here. Yeah. A lot of those I awake tracks are just incredibly powerful catalysts for uh, coming inside and doing, in addition to the growing up, doing the cleaning up work that, that follows it. Absolutely. Um, so or precedes I, it as yeah. however that works out. Yeah. <laughs> or however the case may be. Uh, yet the process of waking up, can be a great, John, you were talking about uh, coming back into your egoic self. And I think it's important to come back into the world and realize that you're here. You can't just go out and be all marvelous and, and, and non-dual all the time, even though that is a wonderful experience. You come back into where we are and I'm going to live my life and be a person in this world. I am a spiritual being having a physical experience. So I'm going to be here now and have this physical experience. But having seen what's possible improves the way that you go about that and kind of lightens your interpretation yeah, of yeah. it and uh, the way you connect with folks. It is learning how to switch between those things as a, as a tool set in your daily life that is a big part of the power of it because the recovery life is not always a pretty one. It's not always an easy one at first and it does get better. There's a lot of joy in the world to be had and there's a lot of bullshit too. There's a lot of hurting and you know things go poorly at work you have a fight with your partner whatever the case may be learning how to not identify with those emotions but to realize that and bob you were talking about earlier too the witnessing self when you can step outside and see that there is anger in me there is anger passing through me there is 
hurt in me. There is hurt passing through me, but I am not that hurt. It empowers you to deal with it more effectively. That awareness, and Bill Harris, you mentioned earlier, is real fond of saying this too, that awareness gives you a choice. And it's been an incredibly powerful tool for me in my recovery. The skills you develop on the cushion when you're learning to study what's going on in your body and the somatic, the somatic things and in your brain without judgment, then you learn to recognize them, which is a skill that not everyone has right off the bat either. So that's or even itself, if you are judging, you start to pick up. I'm, okay, I'm judging. <laughs> you suck. You're yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank, no, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Holding that beer on. You still suck. Yeah. I, I've I, never I, done that. I don't know what you're talking not, about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was uh, doing some reading this last week. I want to run this by you guys. I, I'm uh, reading back to AA's big book right now, slowly. And uh, I was really struck by this, and I haven't talked to anybody about this yet, is that, is that, you know, Bill W. talks very openly about his radical spiritual experience. And, John, that's implied in, in something you said a minute ago about this. For some people, there's this radical opening that, that goes on, and it's kind of like, whoosh, like St. Paul's conversion experience or something mm-hmm. in the New Testament. And Bill W. really has a hugely powerful lightning bolt experience. And then I was reading beyond that where it, it, the uh, big book uses the word meditation, you know, as you said, John, in, in uh, the 11th step. And I, it's the first time I've been aware of this, is that the way that the big book uses meditation is very similar to the way that the Christian tradition uh, back across the ages has used that specific word. And there's a distinction in the Christian tradition between the Latin word, which is meditatio, meditation, and the Latin word contemplatio or contemplation. They're not the same. And, I, and I, it's the first time I was aware of this. And so in, in the 12 steps, when you come to the 11th step and you're talking about prayer and meditation, uh, that, and, and in the way that that's explicated in, in the AA Big Book, it's really meant as meditation, not contemplation. And that being very clear to me. And so the description there is very similar to how a lot of a lot of people pray, not just Christians, but but I, I come from the Christian tradition originally, is that prayer is kind of a petitionary prayer. It's uh, it's devotional in nature, and all of that is um, beautiful and wonderful. And and we'll talk more about this in a second person kind of perspective on religion. Uh, it's essential. Having said that, it's not sufficient if we're going to include contemplation. And I don't see any reference or even understanding of that in the A's big book. I don't hold that against them. It's not the tradition out of which they came, the founders did. But when we talk about introducing a contemplative dimension, the way that you have, John, and the way that you are, Doug, is that we're, we're introducing something that's not inherent in the 12 steps, nor inherent in the, in, in the A's big book. It may not be everybody's cup of tea. It happens to be ours. But I think it may be essential as well. I'd argue for that. And it would be more along the lines of embracing silence and stopping. Uh, it's actually stopping the devotions, stopping the petitions, all of that, and opening into a space. And we can talk more into uh, what this looks like, but we're talking about waking up kind of through all possible perspectives, including this perspective. And I think this moves us more into a, as I think about it, it's almost like a first person, third person perspective. Yeah is that as I develop a third-person perspective uh, on my, uh, Doug used the example of anger, as I can look at my anger uh, as a witness, that's a third-person perspective. Over time, I actually begin to drop into identification 
with that witness, which is first person. This is really God looking, or whatever your image would be, God looking at the contents of consciousness. And that's something very different than a second person spirituality. There it is, you guys. I just wanted to put that out there. No, no, let me let me just bounce off of that and say, you know, one of the things that Ken brought back into the conversation, and Ken Wilber is a you know, a friend and a great yeah, teacher on, yeah. on the world scene right yeah. now. And he's been very supportive of us and what we're doing. He said that he calls it the, the three faces of God. Yes. So three perspectives you can take in uh, anything, but in inner work, you can take this in spiritual practice. So uh, let's start with the third person would be like, you know, we're talking about recovery is something out there, you know, recovery, you know, recovery is this and that addiction is this and that something in the brain, but that's a third person perspective. Now, when we start talking about, um, a second person, it means we're talking to another. So you could give me your story and we could ask questions and I could share my experiences. Or when you're, you know, in prayer, it's you're talking to God as a divine other, you know, and you said, God, you know, this little John again, I know Dupuy. I'm a mess. I know Dupuy. Help me out. I do Dupuy, you know, whatever that conversation looks like. And, uh, and then when that goes away, you have your first person perspective is what you, there is nothing but God. And that was what I was talking. We talk about non-dual. There is only that. And from the Vedic uh, tradition, there's this wonderful thing that says Atman is Brahman and Brahman is Atman. Yes. And Atman is like the deepest part of the human soul or the deepest, deepest part of yourself. And they say the mystics, I haven't seen this thousands of years ago, say that is none other than the creator of all universe of Brahman. So the deepest part of you is none other than that. And thou art that. And then at the other point, there is nothing but that. It's all just kind of um, play and manifestation in the mind and the heart of what we are. And so you're able to take that big non-dual perspective and, and then you come back to, you know, your, your individual and talking to God or spirit as other, which is beautiful. And it's, if you don't, I mean, you kind of, we've kind of lost that in our kind of postmodern rejection of religion and stuff like that. But I think that's something very important. And then the third person you're thinking about, wow, God is really cool or God's a real jerk. Why did he, you know, let these things happen and stuff. I've had those kind of arguments with God before. So you get to be, you get to be it. You get to talk and love and converse with it and ask for help and ask for wisdom and guidance. And then you got to, you get to think about uh, d divinity is something other than my little ego. self. ultimately it's, it's none other than that, you know? So it's like the, do chickens have Buddha nature? You know, does, does my, um, my apple cup have Buddha nature? And by the way, this is a shameless uh, pitch for support from Apple if you want to support a program. I'm I would say here it is. has Buddha nature, John. Yeah, right. Everything has Buddha. My, my damn computer has Buddha nature because there's nothing else than Buddha nature. When you go down to it, it's, you know, everything is it. With the eyes of eyes of contemplation, there is only God. I mean, even Hitler, even all the awful stuff that's going on in the world right now, there is nothing but God. And that's a hell of a sandwich to digest. And what you were talking about, Doug, you know, how you have this these moments where you just want to get off the wheel, you know, and just hang out in the bliss of the oneness and the light and the perfection of love and joy and all that stuff. And then you have to come back in the suffering world. Well, I think spiritual practice, as we're beginning to understand today, is it's the integrating of both, you know, and you have to stabilize that. The fact that I am a flawed human being and I say stupid things every day and I make mistakes and fall on my face and I get back up and I apologize and keep going. That's all part of the perfection of the journey, but we begin to stabilize that and I think what you were saying, Bob, then I'll shut up, is that meditation really is a preparation for contemplation, okay? Yes. Yeah. The meditation, okay. you begin to, to learn how to slow your mind down and relax and get into these open places where you can open and surrender to God and say, okay, God, I'll shut up now and just hang out. And contemplation is not like you're 
I used to think that means you're thinking about how deep right. that is. It's not right. it. Contemplation right. is actually experiencing. It's just hanging out and experiencing that mystery, that presence at the deepest levels of your being. Okay. Yeah. That connects you to everything, by the way. Yeah. So. Uh, your, your conversation about uh, Atman and Brahman reminds me of Lao Tzu. Uh, in the Tao Te Ching, where he says, he says, in the depths, there is no distinction between surface and depth. <laughs> nice. Is that it's, it's, Isn't that something? It's all Buddha nature. It's all the Tao. It's all, it's all Christ consciousness, whatever your entry point is. Yeah. I liked what you just said, too, John, is that it never occurred to me before, is that our typical thinking uh, in our uh, typical American English contemplation is to think about and meditation connotes this other process it's absolutely reversed in the christian tradition the mystical tradition that meditation refers to thinking about and relating to contemplation is really the via negativa it's the absence of all of that so uh, no wonder there's confusion about this including including in recovery circles the the references to meditation at least in my study right now the reference to meditation in the big book really don't pertain to contemplation in any direct way. And that's right. fine. If that's, we're evolving. I, I, as, as with biblical interpretation, so with uh, uh, AA big book interpretation, things evolve over time. And here we are mm -hmm. talking about this. Yeah, and, and I don't think mindfulness is like the end of the story. I think mindfulness is the beginning of the story. Oh, it allows the other stuff to get rolling. Yeah, yeah. I heard it put that prayer was talking to God and meditation was listening for an answer. Now, oh, like we were talking earlier about uh, the ego self and, and God. We were talking, I think, in our last episode about uh, the addict self and the demons and these things versus your original face and your true nature and the practice of sitting down on the cushion every day and clearing out that crap, learning to see beyond your ego self through a different lens allows you to start to experience what that real voice, whether you call it your higher self or God or whatever it is, is trying to communicate with you and through familiarity with it, you can pay more attention to it and make this journey part of your life. You know, a friend of mine said one time, meditation, it's not what you think, you know, <laughs> which is pretty humorous, but you know, it's like one of the biggest uh, detriments of this kind of interior meditative contemplative uh, prayer inner life uh, practice that we're, you know, we should do every day is that one of the biggest thing is I call it the meditation super ego and the super ego is a part of it tells you how should be, you know, John, you should be this. You should be that, you know, okay. Thank you. Okay. I get it. Anyway. So it tells you meditation should just be stillness and bliss and openness or whatever, you know, you got from reading, you know, superhero comics or whatever we get these things. It is what it is, you know? And sometimes it's, you will recall just to sit in the soup, if you will, and suffering. And today, you know, I started and boom, I got this big, huge kind of thing of working out some kind of emotional relational stuff I've been working on with a family member. And I was like, mm. I was like, okay, I got it. I got it. Can I just, I only got like 10 minutes before I had to start <laughs> recording here. Can I just go, go back into these? Okay. But you got it. Yeah, I got it. You're going to do it. Yeah. Okay. You know? And so then, then I go back. And so sometimes there's a lot of information that comes through. Sometimes there's, um, there's kind of real strategic. Like, oh yeah. And I was talking with Dr. Dave, uh, Deborah Rossman from, um, heart math. And we're really, I mean, we're really jiving. And she says, you know, that so central to practice is the heart. Okay. That there's a, there's a heart intelligence, which is not the, the mental intelligence, which is brilliant too. I'm not trying to be any intellectual or anything like that, but if the intellect is, is cut off from the heart, 
it becomes associated and it can be really boring or just really vapid or it can cause a lot of damage, you know? So you have to, you have to bring the heart and, and the mind together. And so you have an enlightened mind and you have an open informed heart. And there's a, there's a, um, an understanding and knowing she calls heart intelligence that when you learn to through heart math, that technology, you learn coherence between the brain and the heart and you get into this zone. And I've been talking about that for years. That once you get down into these open places and you were talking about Doug and you surrender, then often uh, guidance comes for things you're supposed to do, uh, big answers or just relational things or self-forgiveness or whatever the hell you need, actually. And one of my prayers is, Lord, you know, God, if there's anything I'm supposed to be learning, seeing, doing, releasing, uh, forgiving, a plea, or anything that I, any category I haven't left out because I'm not that smart, please speak to me. Speak to me clearly. If it's too subtle, I'll miss it. You know, you know me. So I do. Yeah, thank you. So anyway, so now I'm going to shut up. Good thing, John. You know, and, and so I just opened myself up for that. And sometimes nothing happened. That's great. I'm off the hook. I don't have to do anything. But, and it's just hanging out and recharging my spiritual, emotional, physical batteries by just resting in the presence that is inside of us and that we cultivate the capacity to tap into with practice. You know, over time, it gets better, it gets deeper, yeah. it gets easier because we're better at it. I came across a poem uh, recently by, uh, again, by the Persian poet Rumi where he says this, I just shared it this week with uh, a group of uh, uh, addicts early in recovery. And it's, it's to your last point, John. Uh, Rumi says, what nine months of attention will do for an embryo, 40 early mornings will do for your gradually growing wholeness. Oh, wow. Isn't that nice? Yeah, we, we yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, he, yeah, it's so beautiful. We, we meditated uh, on a Wednesday. Uh, I, I always include a meditation, or I guess I should properly say contemplation. We uh, did a contemplation exercise, and uh, it was all men. It was all men. It's so cool in a group of tough men, tattooed, fierce, and we're meditating. And one of them, I can still remember, over to the right, said, Dr. Bob, does this shit make any difference in your life if you do it more often? And I quoted uh, Rumi. And I said, trust me, I said, you, can, you don't need to believe me. Just do this for 40 mornings in a row. We talked about how it is in the 12-step in the, in the, uh, uh, programs, 90 and 90, you know, 90 days, 90 meetings. And I said, why don't we have 40 and 40, 40 days and 40 uh, meditations? And just, and just let that experience inform you. But it's nearly impossible to imagine that you could practice meditation for 40 days running for, for five minutes, 20 minutes, or an hour and not begin to experience palpable difference. And that's the wonderful thing about it. A good friend of mine, Jim Finley, says it, it's self-authenticating. You don't have to go outside of yourself. Meditation is self-authenticating. You will know if you practice it. Well, the same thing. If, you, if you're really out of shape, you've never been an athlete, you know, and you're like, you reach your 30 years old, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm a big, you know, just a big slump here. And you go, you start working out. You go to gym, you get, a, you know, somebody to help you. And you work out for 40 days. Yeah. You think you're going to be feeling different? Well, yeah. You'll be yeah. feeling different in a week, you know? Yeah. And yeah. after a month yeah. and after 40 days, man, your yeah. body is going to be yeah. really transformed. You're yeah. gonna, it's going to feel stronger. It's going to feel more vital. You're going to be happier. Depression is going to be lifting somewhat. Check it out. That's great. Check it out for 40 days if you don't believe it. Do this thing for, you know, 20 minutes a day for 40 days. You know, do, you know, put on the headphones or earphones and, and sink down into this place and, See if old Dr. Bob is bullshit. Yeah. 
right? <laughs> John, as you're talking, John, as you're talking, I have I, I love you so much. And I, 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 I another thought came to me around this theme of waking up. And whether it's me with a group of addicts early in recovery or the three of us here right now, is that part of waking up is that John, you are committed to integral life practice. I know that. And so I get, somebody I, somebody gotta do it. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that is that, that that your awakenness I don't even know what the noun form of that would be. But that's what I'm going to call it for right now. Your awakeness uh, transmit the way the Buddhists talk about transmission of mind. And so not only do you experience your own wakefulness, but you're passing it on to Doug and me and vice versa. It's an extraordinary thing. When I sit with that group the other day, I'll tell you guys the story. I sat in the group and there was a man uh, in the group who's uh, closer to my age. It's typically young men, an older gentleman in the group. And we began moving into talking about how, how, do, how is it that we hold suffering in a mindful way, kind of like that first uh, quote by uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. And uh, we talked about, somebody said, you know, if you hold this, it actually opens up compassion. And I said, let's talk more about that, you guys. And this man over on the, on the side said, he says, he says, Dr. Bob, you are that. And, I, and I, I didn't think I heard him. I said, what do you mean? Or what, can you repeat that? And he said, he says, he says, that's why all the clients here and all the staff love you is that you are what we're talking about. And even now I get the chills. I was so moved by it, you guys. I put my hand to my chest and I said, thank you so much. I completely receive that. And even in the receiving of that, it builds even more of that to give. And it goes back and forth between us. But that's what I mean, John, with us is that, is that this that we're talking about, it is infectious. And it's complete grace running through us. And so the rich get richer. The more I hang out with you, John, and you, Doug, the wealthier I am inside around being awoken. Yeah, and we polish each other, you know. And yes, AA, of course, yeah. uh, yeah. AA, of course. I mean, one of the great, great things that it's done is, is provided communities. You know, we may yeah. say, well, this needs to be updated, blah, blah, blah. But they really got that community part and integral recovery. We need to do that. We'll be talking more how, how we can get yeah. together with groups online and in your, your you know where yeah. you live to support each other and do the practices and love each other and and you know every every man you got to hang out with people who if you want to be a great musician you need to hang out with uh a mu great musicians good musicians you want to be a great athlete you have to hang out with athletes you know i could not play tennis by myself which is one of my passions right and um uh, it's it's just always been so and if you want to wake up spiritually it's really not only is important essential to do the interior work but to have people that understand what the hell you're talking about and can you know say yeah talk about their experience or elders you know can share their wisdom from a little further down the road it's it's just really important we really need each other and like you're saying all your messed up addicts you're working with they're evoking the goodness that oh, is yeah. in you bob you oh, know yeah. and it wouldn't happen if they weren't there you know yeah, it's, right. it's just yeah. how we right. how it rolls you know that's right recently i've been journaling for myself around uh, the higher power, uh, that's been a challenge for me because I, 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 I know you know, John and Doug, you'll find out as we get to know each other better. I've uh, been immersed deeply in uh, Christianity earlier in my life and, and uh, have moved kind of in different directions for the last 30 or 35 years. I went to a Christian seminary and did my dissertation on Buddhist meditation. So you can begin to get the feel for the, the opposites I've been holding. and, and uh, so I come into uh, the 12-step programs in the last number of years in my recovery, and discussion of higher power is problematic for me because 
uh, even though it's clear in the big book, et cetera, that it's open to interpretation, the typical practice is in a very traditional theistic uh, kind of move, and it, it, it doesn't move me. And, uh, and I, I want to say this in the spirit of what we just shared here about compassion and how we share that, is that as I'm kind of journaling out what, what, what represents higher power to me, it's really rooted in practice for me. Kind of back to that earlier quote, John, it's rooted in practice, and I've, I've been working on this. I'm actually kind of coming up with an articulation for myself, and I'll continue to refine it over my lifetime. But that one piece of that is self-regulation, which sounds very medical, but it's, it's self-regulation. It's like my working out. Uh, how, do I, how do I wake up while I open myself as much as I can to the possibility of being awoken? <laughs> and so my meditation is like priming the pump. I can't, I can't possibly force Maslow's peak experience, but I sure as hell can make myself available to it. When it wants right. to come. Yeah, so yeah I read that uh, waking up is an accident and that daily practice makes you accident prone. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's perfect. Like, the second piece, the second piece of this that I'm working on right now, you guys, there's self-regulation and all the practices that go into that. But it's another piece that's really vital to me. And it's right here with the three of us and with this community listening to us. And it's co-regulation. And that is to say that it's, uh, you know, Martin Buber, the Jewish theologian said, who is God? God is the in-between. God is the in-between. And that's God here today, however we, we want to describe that. And so, John, your comment earlier about the addicts I work with, uh, it's the, it's the uh, Robert Bly, the poet, calls it the third body. It's what gets created when we come together this way, mm-hmm. is that something else uh, visits us, and whether it's the third body or God as the in-between or psychology calling it co-regulation, that's a huge part of the higher power for me that's not reducible to my efforts alone, I can't do any of this alone. So anyway, yeah, that and yeah, and we yeah. we we always lean into the great mystery, you know, and all these manifestations of it. So it's amazing. We've got so much more to cover. This conversation can probably go on infinitely. <laughs> so, but this is where we're going to wrap it today. So anyway, thank you yeah. so much, you guys, and hopefully this is inspiring yeah. and giving you hope and engendering uh, a desire to stay uh, consistent with your practice or get your practice going. We haven't talked about what the practice really is, except for the contemplative part. And we're going to be talking about uh, the next, next time we're going to talk about growing up, which is like, okay, so you wake up, bam, you got all this stuff. So what do you do about the ego structure, your little individual self body uh, that has to hold all that stuff? And how do you make that a vehicle that's worthy of this waking up process? And without it, the whole thing can get derailed. So we'll talk about that next time. So thank you so much, folks. And well, thanks gentlemen. God bless. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, visit us on iTunes and hit subscribe for a new episode every Friday. While you're there, you can help others share the journey and the joy of integral recovery by leaving your five-star rating and a quick review. We're grateful for your support, and we'll see you next time on the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast.